This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. It's time for the End of Conversation podcast with funny man Damian Lemon. Crazy Dominican, you know, Vladimir Camayo, my cool man from the county of D, Ali Muhammad. Yeah! Ha-ha! This is the conversation. Ah, This is Damian Lemon, and I'm still thinking about an alternate opener, but we'll figure that out. But as always, on my right-hand side, I got... El Capitan Vladimir Camaño, 4578. All right. Coming in live from the Broom Classic Studios on the West Coast. And uh, on my left-hand side, I got... Ah, Mr. Muhammad is not in the building this week. This man is on the Thorough TV tour in the world. I think he's in Detroit or somewhere, uh, some city out out and about. But uh, I think he's going to be in the conversation next week. But uh, shout out to that man going out there getting that bag. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about that when he's back. But uh, until then, you know, it's fucked up that he ain't here, though, Vlad, because I kind of wanted to hear... His rationale for LeBron and and all of them losing this uh, NBA Finals. Did you see this last game? I saw every game. Mm. Um, what you I'm think? I'm almost tempted to believe. I'm almost tempted to believe that Golden State threw the game in Cleveland so they could win it at home. No. Nah, nah. I can't go that far. Why? They were they were looking lazy. You know, they were just looking. Uh, they had, the, the turnover ratio was too high. They were playing very unlike themselves. Now, but let me, um, go ahead. You know, I think Cleveland set the record for the first two quarters right. for the most points ever scored in a half. Right. You know, I think they had 80-something by the second 86, quarter. 86, I think. I think it was 86. You know, you expect the team to play bad, right? You, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're going to have off nights, but you don't expect the team to drop 80 on you right. in the first two quarters. So that was, that was kind of gave me like a little hesitancy where I went, huh. Yeah, but let's 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 really explore that because this is interesting. There's a lot of that type of speculation, especially as it relates to the finals and other, you know, high stakes uh, sporting matches or whatever, where they, people feel like there's a fix or people through this game. My thing is they were about to go through, first of all, for coming off of a 70, what were they, 72, 73 and nine last year, and then they lost in the finals. Then they was coming through the finals this time looking like they was going to completely sweep the finals. I can't see them saying, nah, we don't want perfection. Especially after coming, they they set that goal, they set that record last season and kind of got cut short of perfection. They need that perfection. You know what I mean? I, I feel that. Plus, I just feel like any athlete on that level that has dedicated that much of their life to this sport Especially when it's uncertain that you even gonna make it, for them to be like, let's throw this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like when you compete to get the thing that will validate you the most, you say, you know what? Nah, let's let's gamble this shit. Let's gamble with crazy ass LeBron and Kyrie and try to bring this shit back to Oakland. Meanwhile, we didn't got beat. We niggas didn't came back from us from three one before, or one and yeah, with such an. It was such an aberration, you know, and um, 
to see that because the previous game had been tight. You know, Golden State won in the last right. for the last minute right. when KD dropped the three and then he hit the side shot from the baseline. Um, so, and then the first two games they basically ran a clinic on Cleveland, right? Right. So it was such an aberration that it led me to think, like, you know, again, you could be off, but not that off. Like, um, uh, maybe they just, maybe they, maybe they were just tired. I think it was a combination of all that, though. Yeah, yeah, tired. I think yeah, it was a it was a fucking blowout. It was a super duper blowout. It was uh, it was record setting scoring, and it took. But even to that, the shit never still felt in the bag for Cleveland. Even when they was busting their ass, it still felt like it could be New England, Atlanta. 28 to 3 and it could be a comeback immediately like it never right. seemed that far out of reach even when they was getting blown out you couldn't you couldn't write Golden State off but I think uh, the conversation that changed was obviously having Kevin Durant on the Golden State Warriors yeah you know as opposed to last year mm-hmm. and um you know KD was there his mother was crying at the end of it you know right um but I what I wanted to talk to you about is this conversation about super teams right you know, it's it's almost sad to say that people people predicted the finals before the season even started. Oh hell yeah! You know, and there's a conversation going back and forth that the league is losing its competitive, uh, uh, you know, uh, appeal. Right. People are not watching anymore because it's like, yeah, of course you know it's going to be Golden State and you know, um, and uh, and LeBron. And LeBron, exactly. Right, and. And then it's, the conversation is, should we be disappointed or happy for Kevin Durant? You know, because um, if he doesn't win, then he sucks. But, of course, you're going to win with uh, with Golden State, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, I could care less. I think I think, I think think KD, I think KD did the right thing. You know, I think people forget sometimes that it's, uh, you know, you and I talk about this, about uh, sometimes you got to find the best environment for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this this is this, this appeal of the struggling athlete that people love, mm-hmm. or the struggling artist. There's some appeal to that, <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's even uh, if that's even a tool anymore. Like I, I don't want to be a struggling comic. Nah, I mean shit. I never thought the struggle the struggle shit had any real. Uh, What's shine that about? On it? Like why people want it? Like why is that? Why is that? Um, uh, 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 you know. Uh, Satisfying. I don't know what the struggle or what. what do you, yeah, what, what like you, people want, like the, the conversation I keep hearing is that like you know like when you go back to the nineties, you'd have the Knicks versus the Bulls, um, you know the Rockets, and there was a sense of like uh, struggle, like oh these guys are really fighting for this thing, you know? Right. And now you got these guys, and I'm not talking just on the competitive level. I'm talking about the stories of the athletes, right? Right. The guys now they go to five star basketball camp. Right. They treated they treated you know to the, the sweetest the sweetest packages and deals. Right. So there's this sense that this, that that the struggle is gone. It's like having a rapper who didn't really live that life. Right. <laughs> and you know it's the thing like the thing is the struggle ain't really going nowhere. The struggle gets easier as generations go by, right? Like, there's, right. there's always going to be some type of struggle. Like, when I went to college, we were the first dorms to have air conditioning in our at our college. The only reason we had that shit is because the Olympics had come through and then we got air conditioning. And it was, dude, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of envy. 
You know what I mean? A lot of, lot of jealousy, a lot of contempt for these kids that don't know what it is to sweat in Atlanta in August. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but there was other struggles we had. You know what I'm saying? We had a, a fucking alarm on the door. So if you ever tried to sneak somebody into the dorm, then, you know, you had to finagle that. I'm sure now these kids don't have to deal with that anymore. You know, it's always some struggle. It's always some shit. I do think that I do think that you don't appreciate I think you tend to appreciate things more when you when you kind of got to put in a little effort. You know what I mean? Right. When shit does come too easy to you, you might not realize what you got. Until you don't have that shit anymore and maybe what got you there the first place won't get you there this time and then you really got to go through the series of events that typically get you to where you need to be. You know, like you got to, you know, like whatever the struggle is in your trajectory, there's certain things that that where you are now on your journey, there's certain things that you look back on that you had to deal with, it had to contend with that you hated but some part of that shaped who you are and there's got to be a little point or maybe not, but there might be a little point to you to if somebody else gets where you got and then y'all talking about uh, your roots, you know what I mean? And it was like, oh, yeah, I took this way and I did that. And he ate did you uh, you have to do such and such as room? No, nah, you talking about you ain't have to do that or did you have to. Bark for this, you know, blase skit. Nah, uh, nah, what are you talking? You know, after a while, you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there is a certain level of, there's a certain level of, uh, of game to it. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about basketball, the NBA, and getting the the championship, it should feel somewhat hard fought. I do think that, and I think everybody glamorizes the past and makes it way harsher than it, it might have been but i do feel like maybe i was we were young but i felt like when we, when we were coming up the league did seem a little bit more competitive i feel like nowadays the eastern conference nobody even considers nobody in the east except cleveland you know what i mean like everybody's like okay maybe it might it's it's definitely gonna be Golden State, but maybe the Spurs will give them trouble. Maybe Oklahoma City might give them a little trouble. Maybe Houston, but there's at least some people. People just say Cleveland coming up out the East. As long as LeBron is over there, Cleveland coming out the East. We don't talk about the Knicks. We don't talk about the the Pacers. We'll talk about the, you know what I mean. We don't talk about Boston. We'll talk like these are these are people that probably feel disconnected from the whole shit now. Right. You know what I'm saying so. I can understand people being like, man, fuck this shit. It's rigged anyway. You know. Right. But there's this conversation of paying dues. Like, did you pay your dues? You know, and especially in the comedy community, that's a big thing. Do you feel like you paid dues? I know I paid my dues. So do you feel like, do you feel like people need to pay dues? I don't think so, man. I think uh, it's a great question you're asking, Damien, because this is something that, uh, can make and break a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about is the scene of bitterness. Who me? Because you'll look at you'll, you know this this kind of, this mindset is, is the seed of bitterness. When you look at something and go, oh, he didn't pay his dues, right? You can really got to put. I know it's crazy as it sounds, but like you really got to put blinders on that, right? Right. And say, what am I doing to get myself ahead versus what so and so did? When you know, because then you then you, then you start talking about well, my struggle was worse. How come I'm not on? 
Well, you know what I think it is too. I think if you look at it as dues rather than the journey, then you it it opens up some type of entitlement, right? It's like anything else you pay. If you pay the bill, you like motherfucker. I want my cable to be on. You know what I mean? I paid right. you motherfuckers X amount of dollars. So if you feel like you did, if people say these are the dues you need to pay, and you did this and you did that, and then you still don't pop, then you gonna feel a certain type of way rather than you being in the game just for what the game is gonna bring you. You know what I mean? Like, you wanted to do comedy, and you know, maybe you didn't know from the door, it might have looked glamorous from the outside, but as you started doing it, you started to say, oh, this shit is this shit is work. There's a job to this. There's a culture in this. And if I'm going to continue to thrive or try to thrive in this, I'm going to have to take it on. You know what I mean? I could take it on on some shit like... Yo, they got me doing this dumb shit just to get on. Or I could say, yo, I, I'm in it with, you know, the peers and my community, and this is what we gotta do tonight. This is this is part of the grind. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, it's I think it comes down to like perception. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it is what it is. I mean, for people to say that Kevin Durant, you know, doesn't deserve his ring as if he didn't play all of them games and shit. And then didn't show up in the finals. That's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, he did put himself in a hell of a position. You know, but you already know, Vlad. I'm not mad at putting yourself in position. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's my point. That's my point. You know. But uh, especially if you got the power to do it. You know what I mean? Like, especially especially if... Because I heard... um, I think it was Draymond Green say, Yo, if the concession for not winning last year was Kevin Durant, then shit, I'm glad we we lost. So, you know what I mean? For motherfuckers to see you just as as sexy as an opportunity as you see that, I mean, I guess it's it's love. Love is love. Whatever, whatever. You know, that's me being ideal. Now, the, the, the sporting guy in me is like, come on, Kev. I think you and Russ could have made another go. You know what I mean? Tried to build a little bit and then like, Fucking build some rivalry to it. Don't just don't be like, oh, these niggas is popping. Let me get over there. Ask a question, dude. You ever find yourself um, when things are going too good, you start to get paranoid or suspicious? Like, man, I shouldn't be struggling right now. Nope, not no more. <laughs> nope, not no fucking more, man. I done struggled to nothing. If I gotta struggle some more, I'ma keep struggling. But it is what it is. Like, fuck that. I'm not wishing for struggle. And I'm just gonna, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you gotta surrender to the momentum. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta embrace that shit. You know, because sometimes if you keep looking down for the pitfall, you ain't really looking ahead and seeing everything that you walking into. You know what I'm saying? Right. And eventually you gonna crash into some shit because you're not focused. So you might as well, you know, you might as well live that life. Fuck that. There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a book that you put me on to. Remember the, remember the dip? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seth Godin. Seth Godin, the dip, and he talks about how the dip basically being the lowest point of a journey, right? Right. And if you can survive the dip, you, t- you tend to come out the other side, you know? Right. But he also says, and this is the key part that I want to bring up, sometimes you save time by quitting. Uh-huh. What is an interesting philosophy that Seth brings up. And what he's trying to say is, don't feel guilty for leaving something that's that's not efficient, that's not working. Right. Because a fine line between persisting mm-hmm. and being foolish. Being delusional, huh? Being <clears throat> delusional in the sense that, like, 
if you're in a relationship, right, and it's not going well, right. Well, if your business is failing, a lot of us have this thing where, like, oh, we got to pull through and put, maybe it's, maybe it's a toxic situation. You got to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And yeah. you're not supposed to be struggling. Yeah, nah, I hate, I hate. So I don't know. It's a know, where that's one of those. That's the question, though. That's the that's the age old question. When should you, when should you pull the plug? You know what I mean? Exactly. When should you? You know, because this is America, so we're fed that propaganda. You know, uh, quitters never win. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go through it. You gotta suffer. You're gonna get there. You seen a meme with the guy who was, uh, he was uh, using the little, the pickaxe, going down and down and down and down. This motherfucker dug like at least twelve, twenty feet deep. And he was maybe two feet away from a big ass diamond, and he was like, "Ah, fuck it." You seen that meme? Everybody seen yeah, that absolutely. meme. Yeah, absolutely. It's popular on a Monday. You know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> it's sometimes you gotta say, "Whoo, is this shit for me?" Which it's just is, worth it, right? Yeah. That's one of the most humbling ass conversations you'll ever have with yourself. Ah. Yeah, getting out sometimes takes as much courage as staying in. Well, I think, too, I think if you get out, you got to not even just the courage, but then you got to find you got to find it within yourself to be content with uh, your decision. So because what happens is if you get out, whatever you was doing, you were amongst people that were doing the same thing that didn't leave. And maybe a couple of years later, you start to see people start to succeed that they were your peers, that they didn't give up. And some of them might have been clearly better than you, but then it might have been a couple where you was like, wait a minute. I think I could have I could have done as well as this person. That's the worst. That's, that's why that's why you gotta stay away from Facebook sometimes. <sighs> but you gotta dig deep. That's what you gotta say to yourself. Listen, let me go back to this journal. I did write a whole long three pages. Of why? Why I was quitting. And why, <laughs> why I, I was out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why I would be content. <laughs> now you got to read a mantra to yourself in front of the medicine cabinet mirror. You know, and the thing is, man, there's certain there's certain uh, platforms in life that lend themselves that give that give more evidence than others. What's that? Yeah. Like if you if you in boxing, right, and you getting beat up right. on a consistent basis. Yeah. Your corner can show you tape. Like, listen, man, you getting uh, you you getting pounded out here. It's time yeah. to yeah. You're doing, you're doing physical damage to your body. You know there's, there's multiple doctors in here who all say no. <laughs> don't do it. But there's uh, other professions where like you could be delusional as you want and keep doing it, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you do better with delusion. There's some people that are just that they Yeah, look at Trump. Look shout out to John. John said, look at Trump. Trump took that delusion all the way to the, the fucking biggest job you could have in America. Right. You know, and in Russia, the <laughs> second biggest. Um, I mean, the thing is too. Like some people are delusional to the point where you ever heard that quote, "Fake it till you make it." Yeah. Bow wow I, challenge. I, I believe in that. I believe in that sometimes. You do gotta fake it till you make it, but yeah, there's, there's a fine line between faking it and being straight up like you are bugging right now. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't even like how that sounds. Fake it till you make it. I'd rather if you believe it, you will achieve it. I don't know. I don't like the fake it part about that shit. Cause I mean, what what are we faking here? What do you mean faking what? So basically, I think I think the core the core of the psychology is that the negative conversation in your head mm-hmm. will sabotage you from from actually 
following through with something. Yeah. So if you fake it, if you act as if. Act as if what? Uh, if you act as if uh, you're a good dancer, if you act as if you're charismatic, if you act as if you're confident, right? Mm-hmm. You will be presented with evidence that contradicts the negative uh, reality you have in your head. Hmm. Okay. I see what you're saying. So you control your perception, basically. And, you know, it's sad to say, but um, Trump is all about that to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Trump comes from real estate. That's yeah. All, that's all about the spin. You know what I mean? This is a colorful neighborhood. Not three motherfuckers got stabbed last week. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's quite dynamic around here. I don't know. So there's something to, there's something to be learned by that. You know, like Trump, mm. the way Trump talks, the, the most tremendous, the most you know, whatever. Right. He he's buzzing. Some people buy it. Yeah. Nah. You know. Anyway, let's not talk about Trump. Uh, I know. Speaking of tremendous, man, I'm going to ask you: Did you watch the Black Panther trailer? I did. I got to watch it again because I guess it didn't affect me like it affected everybody else. I mean, this thing can't get no blacker, man. They shooting this thing. <laughs> well, you know the story. The story takes place in Wakanda, Africa. Uh-huh. Sepia. So this is just this is beautiful so far, man. Like I'm, I'm, which I'm is, loving this right now. Which was it was actually Atlanta, Georgia, which is probably the closest <laughs> thing to Wakanda we got in the U.S. But that's where they really taped it. They taped that shit in Atlanta. Uh, so just so you know. <laughs> you know, call. Uh, they, had a, they had a meeting like where 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 can we go where we can get some authentic black i've been telling y'all that's the closest thing we got to africa in the united states they was like yo atlanta we could do this swats <laughs> turn this whole shit into fucking wakanda anyway good, though. michael b jordan yeah, that's looking dope yeah, it looked interesting. It looked interesting. Uh, my man, shout out to Chris Lambert. Said Michael B. Jordan was looking like Terrence Trent Darby. <laughs> if you know who Terrence Trent Darby is, you thought it was funny. I think you'd laugh at that point. But if not, go Google image that and laugh a little later. Anyway, uh, I got to watch it again. I got to see the shit. I'm excited. You know, I guess I'm excited. I'm not the guy. I see the Transformers uh, trailer, too. Did you see that? I did see it. It's, it just seemed... At the CGI fest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, if I'm out and about, I watch it though. Are you going to see the Tupac movie when that come out? That come out Friday. To be honest with you, dude, I got, I'm being 100 percent honest. Yeah, I'm a Tupac <laughs> fan. I love that you are 100 percent honest for this podcast. Being honest right now, man, that show is looking a little nervous. Why? They look as if they're acting. Okay, well, I'm keep 100 with you. They are acting. You well, just you don't point, think it's believable at all. You know when someone's acting versus looking like you're acting. Right. Okay. So you don't believe them. They're not connecting. No, they look like they're acting. They look like they look like they they, they look like hey, there's a camera here. Mm. And uh, I mean, it looks nervous, man. I, I don't know. I think you know <laughs> they definitely. What do you think? I don't. I mean, I wasn't really. I'm. I don't know. I'm gonna check it out. I'm going to check it out. I'm not rushing to go see that shit. Uh, but I get caught. I like that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a sucker for that shit. I, my expectation for these type of movies is never that high. You know what I mean? Like, Straight Outta Compton might be the bar. That's like, now that's the new bar. I didn't expect Straight Outta Compton to be as fun and as dope as it was. You know what I mean? Like, before that, I guess I held the bar at like Notorious. 
which is kind of fun to watch because the set design is cool. They, the, the clothing is 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 on point. The performances are a little hit or miss, but it reminds you, of, oh yeah, I remember when that shit happened. That's great to see that this is going to be in, in film posterity. You like that part of it, you know, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I, for one, I'm not the biggest Tupac fan. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm not coming to the theater with a with a uh, a clipboard and a pencil to write down all the uh, inaccuracies. You know what I'm saying? Like I I don't really care that much about it. What I thought was funny is they got gravy because I was listening to uh, Benny Boom, who I fuck with, Benny Boom and LT Hutton on um the Combat Jack show, and they was talking about a little bit about you know the making of the film and blah blah blah, and they got gravy who played big. And the notorious and notorious to play Biggie and Pac, right? And people were like, why you do that? You know, that was the question. And I think it was Benny Boom's uh answer, which I thought was kinda ill. He said, Yo, now we have created our own Marvel universe as it relates to these rap actors, right? So we already established a Biggie in another movie. Why not use that Biggie since y'all already bought into that Biggie rather than trying to create a new Pac and a new Biggie? Let's make sure that we got a fucking Biggie that you know so we could throw the new Pac in. I was like, at that point, I was like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's see. Let's see how this go. I love the fact that you're laughing. What you think? Well, I'm thinking about like they do a Dr. King movie or they do a you know yeah. Dr. King to make a cameo or, or Malcolm X they gotta bring back Denzel like listen we Denzel for this quick uh, <laughs> quick Malcolm X cameo uh, pop in here, you know what I mean they retired a Biggie acting jersey too you can't even audition for Biggie you can't be Biggie and you can't even audition for Big no more. And Gravy got that Gravy retired his jersey he got his sides from Notorious. You know I think also it's. The hard thing about these films is that you're working with people's expectations of the music and the artists. Right. And the the beauty of of, uh, of Shadow of Compton was that they were able to write a story about a time in America. Mm-hmm. You know, they really they really uh, laid out the origin story of you know NWA. Yeah. In response to the community pressures that were upon them, right? Mm-hmm. Give it context. So I hope they can do the same with Pac. Uh, I think it's a little bit harder because they didn't have as many. Um, like NWA had very clear milestones. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was well, very clear events. You could point to us at this boom, boom, boom. Pac I'm had some shit. Can... Pac had some shit. Now you know Pac shot some cops. Pac got run up on. Pac's been shot twice. You know what I mean? Like it almost looked like he was gonna live through both of them shits. Uh, he went in on big. That's a crazy big thing. He went to jail for rape. That's a big thing. He went to death row. He was on Digital Underground. I mean, he was, you know, roadie for Digital Underground. He did Poetic Justice. He did Juice. He had a film career. Like, Pac got enough shit for there to be a good movie about. Well, here's the thing, though. In terms of the writing of the movie, this was this was a little bit harder about it. Okay. Is that um, with... NWA, there were certain cultural pressures that you could identify and paint for the movie. Yeah. And you could draw a clear line to the characters behaving to that. Like the cops? You mean like the cops out there, the cop pressure? Yeah, the cops, um, the, you know, them being new artists responding to the record industry and nobody wanting to work with them. Right. Um, you could identify certain cultural pressures, and then when you see the characters behave, it makes sense. They're like, oh, I could see this, this storyline makes sense now. Right. Um, with Pac, because, you, because the, it's very much an individually driven uh, film with Pac being the character, the mm-hmm. protagonist. Mm-hmm. 
they got to be very specific, and the performances have to be to the level where you you can say, oh, okay, this makes sense. The dialogue is right. The clothing is right. The like it's. I think it's a little more harder, and it puts a lot of pressure on the actors to really come through with it, and and the scriptwriter as well. We're gonna see. I'm. I'll check it out. I want to. I do want to see it in the theater. I'm not gonna go on the night of, but I want to see that shit in the theater. Just you know. Are you people. expecting at all? Because um, I've been talking to people about this, like what the expectations are for the film. Yeah. Are you expecting them to really lay out the the murder? No, I don't. Will they solve the murder? No. I don't uh, allude that, that. to it. Draw some draw some theories. You know, uh, yeah. because because it's, it's almost impossible to tell the story of Park without alluding to maybe what happened. Well, I mean, I don't think you gotta allude to it. You just gotta you you gotta treat it as it's, it's fact. He got he was shot and killed. So you could allude to who you think may have done it. That's what that's what I mean. But you don't have to do that. You could deal with the facts as given, right? Like right now, it's still a cold case, right? Supposedly, no one knows. Now everybody got their own speculation, and if you want to take that on. You know, I take that take that challenge. I don't know if I would want to do that type of shit. I, you know, I'm not that invested. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you could try it. You could try the shit. I mean, there's been, you know, I don't, I don't, nah, I wouldn't do that shit. I would just say, you know, it was a shooting. You know, we know what it was. I don't, you know, because everything else is speculation. That type of shit to get you shot. I mean, shot, not even shot, but uh, sued. I mean, you know, it's, it's far effects, but it's very much like, uh, um, I don't know if you've seen JFK, mm-hmm. where they make, they lay out the evidence. That's, what, that's, a, that's the thing about this pop movie, man, that in some ways, and I'm curious to see how they do it, in some ways it's not just a music film, you know, it's, it's not just a biopic. In some ways it is a murder mystery, in some respects. Um, it and depends. Pac, it depends. If what? they go for it, if it they ask that question. That's what I mean. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because the JFK film, if you watch that, the Oliver Stone one, right. the film tells the story of how certain events led to a, how certain relationships were were handled to lead to a murder. Right. And I'd be curious to see if they were if they're able to do that to lay that out to see how Pac's, Pac's relationships, you know, what enemies he made, what friends he made, and Biggie's in the film, like how that relationship built it and got disrupted, and to see how he lays that out. Also, trying to satisfy the music, the music expectations. Like, are they, gonna, uh, you know, how the how's the music scene going to be? Are they going to talk about his mom? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they got to. I think they're going to do all that. They got to. It's a, it's a, it's a tough task. The Tupac Lee man. It really is. It's not an easy film. That's what makes you want to see what they do. Yes, yeah. that's part of the. I mean, it's high stakes. It's he might be one of the highest stake uh, rappers to make a movie. I mean, big. They did the big movie. You know what I mean? Pac is. You know, if we would have to, I mean, you could argue back and forth. Is Pac number one dead rapper? Maybe. I love that question. You know, ranking dead rappers. You know, he's definitely top three. You know what I'm saying? It's out of him and Big for one well, and well, two. Who's up there? Who's the horses up there? I mean, I don't know. That's that's for you to decide. I, uh, that's for that's for the listeners. I'm going with top three dead rappers. Whew. Uh, it's a great question, by the way. Yeah, uh, maybe Easy Easy the top three. Just for the fact, I think Easy E might have been the first rapper that I remember dying. And like, besides, I mean, Scott LaRock died, but he was a DJ. No, no disrespect to that man. You know what I mean? But like, 
Easy E was a you know he knew his voice. He rapped. Um, I'm sure some other people have died prior, but I know Easy E when he died, that shit was a big deal because it was also the whole AIDS, you know, the AIDS kind, the Absolutely AIDS related. Right. So that put AIDS in the in the, in the spotlight. Pac and Big, you can't even you can't talk about one without the other. You know what I mean? So, and they well, this. go ahead. In terms of how you decide the greatest that rapper, next to this, and it may be a wrong question to ask. Does the way that we've already gone too far down the road? Keep going. Does the way that does the way they die matter? Of course, of course. Because this is the thing: is like <laughs> it's the thing of if you want it, like especially hip hop being so youthful, you kind of want to die young. You don't want to get old in hip hop and then die, cause then that's sad. But that ain't like sexy. They, they might not, they not, they might not yell your name out when they do the dead rapper roll call, cause your shit was a little too, it was too depressing. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, I don't know who your top three dead rappers. Well, I'm trying to figure out because you know, I just think as a comedian, I can't help but to say, but like. You know, so-and-so was a better rapper, but this guy had a better death. Right, well, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So, you know, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm, I'm going to bring up a few names. Let me know what you think. All right. Obviously, for me, I got, you know, big pun. I knew you was going to go there, Latino. Keep going. Yeah, I had to go. I thought I'm just a huge pun fan. Uh-huh. And I got to say, man, Big L. Ooh, yeah. That's a big one. Big L. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, big L, obviously Pac and Biggie. What about, what are your thoughts on ODB? I forgot all about ODB. That was sad. They all, they all was sad. This is all sad. Let's not let's let's qualify that. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want no problems. I want to be like you. Wait a minute. I heard your recap of uh. Nah, I remember <clears throat> Big L and Old Dirty. I had seen seen pride of them dying. Like you know what I mean. Like fair not. Fairly close to them dying. Like I remember when Old Dirty Bastard did the uh, did the press conference when he signed to Rockefeller. He had just got out of jail, I believe. They was doing like this documentary type thing on him. Mariah Carey was at the press conference. It was a it was a big you know it was a whole thing. And then like shortly after he passed. You know what I mean? I remember I interviewed um, Big L when I was in like I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta find the, yeah, the you, video. Wait, how get out of here? You actually sat down and spoke to him, like you guys had. Yeah, it was, was, was it over sad. the phone or in person? No, it was in person. It was person. It was in high school. We had this. Um, we had this. Shout out to my man Jeremy. Shout out to uh, Steph McKee. Uh, Jeremy Zeitler, my man Alex, Godfather Lex. We used to. We used to. This is very nineties, but we used to have this. Uh, this. <clears throat> was trying to do this show. He was doing the show for public access called Roots of the Underground. <laughs> it was wild 90s hip-hop shit. And I don't think that shit is uh, Googleable at all. But we interviewed a few people, but we used to just kind of crash college radio uh, studio sessions. Not, I guess not crash them, but we would like, yo, camp out type shit, see if we could get up in there, whatever, whatever. And we went there one time. It was, uh, I want to say this was... Uh, Martin Moore Mayhem had a show at WNYU. I want to say it's 91.9. I forget, but um, fucking Big L was there, and we, we interviewed him. We interviewed him. That's uh, crazy. How was he? He was, he was wild. He was chill. He was chill. I got a photo. He was, uh, he, was, he was chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... 
you know, when you interview somebody, especially somebody at that point in his career, he was he was starting to pop. People started, you know, hip hop was a lot smaller then too, but he was starting to pop. So you're starting to become somebody and like, not, you know, you're starting to become somebody notable, somebody in the public eye. People are like, oh, that's Big L. And you, that trans, that transition from unknown to known is always a little, a little, um, shaky you know what i'm saying um you still kind of wary of it or whatever he don't know us we young you know what i mean like we younger than him asking him questions and shit and it was i wasn't no real journalist at that point i was just a fan so i'm embarrassed to know what type of questions i was asking i haven't seen that oh, that I fucking that tape in, in forever and well i don't think it was that corny but it was, you know, it was back in the days where you was just an excited fan. So you, your question wouldn't even be a, a question. It's like a proclamation that you just want them to fucking, you just want them to cosign. You know what I mean? You'd be like, yo, yo, remember you did that one verse where you fucking killed it, shit? You, you bodied it. You was like, yo, when you did that shit, you was hype, right? You was inspired, right? You was, you yeah, right? I know, okay. Okay, yeah, you know dumb shit like just like fan shit, Chris Farley type shit. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't deep. It wasn't about what's your process. I don't think I got into that till later on in life. But um, I got another one for you. Yeah, my guru. That was sad. That was sad. Guru was one of my favorite rappers, dude. Guru I'm was just a beast. Now, and it's because you know Complex put out a, like a documentary on YouTube. Yeah, what's it about? About Guru. And it's about Guru's life and uh, how he wasn't from New York, but he became known as a New York rapper. Right. Gangsta in general. They, like, Brooklyn kind of adopted them. You I'm thought they were from Brooklyn. And it's sad. To, I'm just learning about him. So you have any information for me, dude? Like, I just saw the, the piece. I'll put it on the Facebook. Yeah, you, put it on the Facebook. Part. And I'm digging the dude, man. Guru was a beast, man. Guru, he one of them rappers that you don't think, of, well, I don't want to say that. He's one of them rappers that, should be brought up when they talk about voices in rap. You know what I mean? What it's like certain rappers have voices that make them a doper rapper. You know what I mean? Like Q-Tip, his voice is distinct. So you know that's Q-Tip. Every time he get on it, he, he adds to, it adds to who he is. Big had a certain type of voice. Guru had a certain type of voice. Ghostface, Raekwon, you know what I mean? Certain people got like a, like a Nas, right? You know what I mean? Like they got this, this voice that's very distinct. So immediately you know who it is every time they get on the track. Guru's voice was like, he was like a man. You know what I mean? Like he was like, you, you felt like he was an adult. And he, and he rapped in ways that were like, like an adult. You know what I mean? Like, like practical. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, show you the way, drop gems type shit. You know what I mean? Like certain, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, I don't think he ever... I don't want to say he positioned himself like an elder, but he was one of those cats that was a wise dude. He wasn't afraid to be a wise. You know, nowadays a lot of rappers, they don't they don't want you to even expect that they smart because they don't they don't have to deal with your expectations. You know what I mean? They're like, nigga, I'm just all that dumb. Doesn't go with the brand. Yeah, don't ask me shit. We just lit. You know what I mean? We turned up. We you know we ain't thinking. But Guru would be thinking. Guru would have some shit that'll make you. He was the Guru. You know, like. That wasn't no, you know, that wasn't no fuck. That's hard one. We fucking Muhammad. We call him the guru. So he's a thoughtful cat. My favorite Gangstar album is Hard to Earn. 
And it goes back to all the shit we talking about earlier on about paying dues and all of that shit, right? I remember I, used, I think I used to play that that intro for you. It was that one intro where they come in and Guru's talking about, you know, <clears throat> you know, back in the days when I was trying to get on, I wasn't one of these cats, you know, breath all stinking, coming up to everybody. Yo, 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 yo. Kind of like being a dick rider or whatever. He was like, nah, I just come through. I say my name. Shake their hand. I say peace. And I just keep it moving. Basically, like, I do me. And you're going to hear about me. I ain't got to be all in your face like, yo, pick me. Put me on. Da, 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 da. I'm going to make my own noise. And I'm going to walk my own path. That's how I always took it. And um, combine that with Premier. Especially that that fucking hard to earn out where they was like Premier was really flexing his his producer, his next level producer, you know, skills. It's a it's a dope fucking album. It's definitely worth fucking with. I gotta listen to it. Um, I'm on iTunes. I'm a download. I, I just got onto it, man. Literally, which is sad to say, but um, yeah. my brother said, "Yo, you gotta listen to some Guru." Yeah. Yeah, nah. I like jazz, um, right? Yeah, the jazz shit. He was cool. Guru was a cool motherfucker. Like he was cool. You know, he was on jazz and shit. Made the shit. He was a cool head. He's like a cool old head. You know what I mean? You know when you said when you said a voice and you said he was a voice. Yeah, I immediately thought of somebody else. Who? Uh, Nate Dog. Yeah, Nate Dog got the voice too. You know, the, you know his voice. His singing voice is so crazy. He probably he might man, he be put the, that dude on a hook. Yeah, he might be the best uh hook man in hip hop. <clears throat> in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe not. I was a bunch of motherfuckers. I I'm not gonna get into that, but I'm gonna put Nate Dog. Least top three. Least top three. Anyway. Nate Dog yeah, Nate Dog was awesome, dude. Yeah, Nate Dog was a <laughs> And you even lick my balls. That nigga saying oh. that shit. <laughs> oh, what he said? What was that song he sang? Uh, uh, what Snoop Dogg was it? Uh, uh, God, what was the song? Uh, ain't no fun. Is the, is the, ain't no fun. Yeah, ain't no fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit is. That shit is epic. That's a. That's a. What about a classic? I, what about what, what about Heavy D? Heavy D was sad. Heavy D was sad, man. <sighs> Heavy D was sad as shit. Cause Heavy D was the like, Heavy D for my fan. Heavy D was like a like a fucking uh, fan. Like he was a favorite, especially in my my sister was a big Heavy D fan. You know, Heavy D was like family friendly too. He you know, and he was a big agile motherfucker. He could dance. He was a big dude. He could dance and shit. And then um, I remember when I lived in Austin and I used to work at uh, I used to work the multiplex. Up in Hawthorne. It's a movie theater in Hawthorne, New York, Westchester County. And I was working there. And Heavy D, Heavy D would come through. And Heavy D was like a slab. You know what I mean? Heavy D would come through with just like the baddest shorty. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Heavy D was a legend. Heavy D used to throw these big ass fucking barbecues and shit that you would hear about. Like, he was a fucking, he was a legend. He was a beast. He had banging ass records. His records was, you know, the party shit. That was a sad one. That was sad, you know. Yeah, because he was—he was also very likable. He was mad likable. You nobody had nobody didn't like Heavy D. Heavy D almost like John Candy. You know what I'm saying? Like, just benevolent. I don't want to say that type of shit because you know, let me not say that because that, be, that, that might be reductive to you know. But he was my first time. My first time seeing Heavy D 
Uh, and this sounds weird, man, because, again, I grew up, you know, uh, outside of hip-hop a little bit. Because my, right. my, my brother and my cousin used to put me on to it. But the Let first me ask time you a I question. Be, Let me ask you a question. I know you say you grew up outside of hip-hop. You always say that. Did you not listen to any music or was it just whatever your parents listened to? Was it or music was not a part of your life until a certain point? Or was it just like was it uh Spanish like what was what was going on soundtrack wise? I think what happened was my father you know, the group the group in the early nineties, crack era, right? Right. And my father, immigrant dude from DR, he associated hip hop music with the crime element. Right. And he's like, I don't want you listening to that. Right. So he kind of kept it out of the house. So it was just merengue music for the most part. So it was music uh, in the household, though. There was music in the house. A lot oh, of Spanish okay. music for the okay. most part. All right, but. And then as we got older, though, I got to high school. Right. The neighborhood got a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother listened to hip hop. Nothing happened. My, my, my dad kind of <laughs> still alive. You know, my my dad loosened up a little bit. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, and then also hip hop extends beyond the music too. That's what other, that's the other thing that happened too. My dad kind of realized that too. Yeah, to keep it real. Yeah, hip hop extends beyond the music. It's, it's the way people talk. It's the way right. people say hello. It's the way right. you dress. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the way you play basketball. It was all that. My dad was like, "This is a losing battle. I can't win." This. <laughs> yeah, shit is. This is all inclusive. <laughs> it's a virus. Yeah. Um, but guy, you were talking about heavy D, uh-huh. and I'm trying to see if you remember this film is Who's the Man? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! First time I saw Heavy D. Yeah. Uh, I gotta see. rewatch that. Who's the man? What did Heavy D play? Did Heavy D just play Heavy D? He was Heavy D in Who's the Man, right? I can't remember, but I remember seeing him in that because I was so hyped to see Who's the Man. I, I can't remember why. Because every fucking rapper uh, in the world was in Who's the Man. Yeah, I remember my cousin was like, my cousin was on 10 to go see it. Yeah, that was like the MT, Yo MTV Raps movie because it was Ted Demi. So it was like Ed Lover and Dr. Dre who hosted Yo MTV Raps and damn near every rapper that was popping had some sort of cameo. That shit was like... Yeah, that shit was crazy. I gotta go back and watch it. I remember, I remember, uh, uh, what's his name was in it? Um, Run DMC had an appearance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being confused when Dr. Dre, you know, the chronic came out. I was like, isn't there another Dr. Dre? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people was thinking that for a second. What about Jam, Jam Master J? I mean, it's sad. You know. Yeah. That's that's another unsolved mystery. That's the crazy shit, though. Like how you know how all these mystery, how all these murders could be unsolved. Still, you know, that's kind of sad. Especially, you know, someone like Big, someone like Pac, where it was like in the middle of everything. You know what I mean? You're on the fucking Las Vegas Strip. You in the middle of Los. You know, in the middle of L.A. Downtown. You know what I mean? Like, you right. Know. You know, it's a, it's an interesting culture because nobody trying to snitch on nobody, right? So people look the other way. Nobody want to get involved. People scared. People, you know, holding secrets and shit like that. And it just, it is, it's just going to be what it's going to be. It's interesting. Crazy stuff, brother. <clears throat> how positive, how uh, inspiring was that? <laughs> we went way well, down. We, we went way down the dead rapper uh, hole on that one. Well, definitely tell us, t- tell us who your favorite top dead rappers are. <laughs> we missed anybody. Give us your top five dead rappers. Let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah keep, hashtag, hashtag top five dead rappers. Let's see, let's see who's uh, John. Who your top five dead rappers? Oh, he ain't got no mic. Go ahead, just tell me. Biggie, Tupac. Biggie, Tupac. 
Uh, uh, old Dirty Bastard. Old Dirty Bastard, man, is top top three. I don't know. You got two slots left. Come on. I don't need anybody else after that. That's it. Everybody else, fuck them. <laughs> How about that? That ends Biggie, Pac, Old Dirty. That's what John said. After anything else, hey, sorry. It's not a bad, not a bad list. Nah, I mean it's definitive. It's very takes a you know, took a stand. Anyway, uh, what else is good with you, man? What's popping? Talk to me, man. What do we got here, man? Uh, as you know, last week I talked about the boot sneaker. Right. Or oh, two weeks ago, and I ended up buying the boots. Which one? And, uh, I bought the Boost Uncaged. Okay. Uh, Ultra Boost Uncaged, which just doesn't have the, the Adidas cage on the side. Right. And yeah, I got to tell you, brother, I'm officially uh, joined the Ultra Boost religion. You boosted out, huh? I'm boosted out, man. I went in on them. I bought about... I think I got three or four pairs now. Damn, son. You, you get in some shit and commit hard. Three, four I mean, pairs. Damn, man. How, you haven't even had a chance to wear the first pair. Would I'm done, man. I'm By done. rotations. I'm done. Give me I'm a rotation. Done. What colors? I'm what done. colors you got? I got uh, I got the all white ones. All right. I got, the, I got the black and white. The black top, black, white bottom. Uh-huh. I got the, uh, it's like a pink and gray. Um, uh. black and pink or pink and gray. Um, okay. I got that. I got uh, wild card. I got the black uncaged ones too. Those are, that's what I got. Are they all uncaged or you got some cages on some of these? I got two. I got two uncaged and two caged. Mm, and what do you prefer? You prefer oppression or uh, nah, man? They, they liberty. Do, the uncaged. The uncaged have a little uh, have a little slight advantage in the comfort department for whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh huh. But uh, the the cage ones got a little more style, and they got a little more pop. Because mm-hmm. it got that structure, got that structure, got that look. You know, it has that it has that clear like boost look that you that's recognizable. Mm-hmm. All right. And you um, like it, dude? I love it, man. I'm buying a pair for my mom when I get back to New York. <laughs> Damn, this is like a religion. I told my, I told my mom. I said, Mom, I'm going to you a sneaker. Uh huh. I'm buying. I'm buying a pair of kicks. Why it, not she, of the, is her sneakers leaning now? What kind of sneakers she fucking with now? What she working with? My mom is not a sneak. You know, my mom is a, uh, you know, she wears like, uh, she'll, she'll go to the store, she'll buy some Payless shoes, you know what I mean? Right. Sneakers. Right. And for her, that works. You know, I said, hey, do you want another sneaker? She's like, no, I'm fine with this, you know? Right. She'll say, hey, buy me a flight to the ER or buy me this appliance. And that's what I'll do for her. Like, okay. hey, you want this? She goes, no. She's like, buy me a new blend or something like that. Oh, right. at least she know um, what she want, though. But then when I tried to boost on, you know, my mom got a bad knee. Right, damn! You put a business all out there. Shit. She's cool with it, man. She knows it, and she got. Is a bad she knee. publicly said, with the bad knee? Is it oh, public? Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right, I didn't want this to break on the podcast. The, you know, she goes to the store. And there's a full on conversation. How's the patella? You know, okay. <laughs> How's the patella? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's <laughs> a funny podcast yeah, she title. Talks, she talks she talk to other knee, other knee, you know, other knee victims. They get into conversation about uh-huh. what medication they're taking. They need each other. Yeah, that's right, the old talk. Terrible. You know, old talk is like, what are you taking for your blood pressure? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I said, Mom, I'm buying you a pair of sneakers. She's like, no, I don't need it. I was like, Mom, I'm getting you the boost. Yeah. So I'm taking it. I'm taking it to Foot Locker when I get back. I'm gonna I'm I'm tell her the section she can stay in. She could pick her color. <laughs> that's it. That's all of the choice she gonna get in the matter. Are you staying in the? Oh, you staying Ultra Boost? That's what you're staying at. Ultra Boost, huh? Right. Yeah, it's loud, man. I'm, go- I'm going all in. For Gotta go on. all bells and whistles. Now, what if this shit don't? What if your mom's just don't like the boost? What if she's like, nah? Because it, it, it might put a little too much pressure on the knee. It's a it's a sloped situation. 
I, I feel like I, the boost I, is a slope piece. It don't give you a whole lot of support in the ankle. I mean, not in the, in, in the ankle, but in the arch. I feel like you're going in a downward slope. Now, if you, your, your platella <laughs> is a little tricky, it could be it could be nervous. But go ahead. And my mom felt embarrassed too, man. She goes, she goes, just so you know, baby, in Spanish, obviously, she's like, I got big feet. Oh, okay. She was embarrassed. She was like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to look funny. Hilarious. So don't get no neon, no Volt colorways just yeah. yet. Keep it, I can't keep see it her subtle. Not liking it. I can't see. I can't see her not liking it. <laughs> Cause you are a zealot. You are. A, you are a fucking drunk the juice. You got four pairs of boots. And you haven't even worn all of them yet. I mean, I'm. I'm in. And also, I gotta be honest with you, dog. Um, it may be this is the boost is my new road shoe. All right. And fair enough. I can. See, I mean, I can see that's a good airport shoe. It's, Let me it's, tell you why. Let me tell you why. All right. Let me tell you why. So, there's a product on the market. It's called Crep, right? Who? Crep. C R E P. Oh, the spray. And the beauty of the boost is people don't know this. Crep works best on fabric. Right. Or or anything that absorbs Crep because if you put it on. If you put it on like uh, foam, it's going to just uh, wipe off nylon or whatever it is, like patent leather. Right. Or it doesn't do much. Right. The boost is built for this fucking spray because it, one, it's primed it, so it's fabric, right? Right. And two, the bottom is almost like a foam, so it absorbs the crep. Ah, uh, you know. And the primed, prime, the prime it doesn't crease. The who? The prime it, the fabric that yeah. it's made out of. Right. It doesn't crease. Yeah. So if you if you keep them clean, these shits will last a long time, dog. <laughs> ah. All right. Well, that's and that's why they your airport shoe. It's my airport shoe, and you could take them to the gym. I mean, it's it may be a situation where I could finally take one sneak on the road, man. Let me ask you this. All right, I know it's it's probably number one on your comfort level. Are you turning heads in the boost? Are you getting ooh, what are those or nah? Is it, is it getting unsung? Not, not shit. I haven't gotten that yet. I haven't gotten that yet. I'll be honest. With you. I haven't little, gotten that yet. It's a little unsung as a shoe? It's a little unsung as a shoe, and yeah. I'm still debating. And I know you're going to laugh at this. Yeah. I'm still debating if uh, I'm going to wear them on TV tapings. That, that I don't know. Uh, is it too relaxed looking? Too relaxed looking. You know, the fabric looks like a little sweaterish. <laughs> you know, when you want TV, you want you want some structure. That's you know I mean? leather. You want some structure. That's what I'm going to do with the eye. So you know what I mean. <laughs> he got some long johns <laughs> on his foot. <laughs> kind of sock-footed comedian is this? What the fuck? Oh boy! What the fuck? He got some slippers on. This is a ninja. Oh so shit! I'm debating. I think I, you know, I think I'm Boost gonna love Lee. I'm sorry. Taping. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. You say what? I'm in a loving head when it comes to taping. Yeah, I hear that. All right, all right. That's what's up. Ah shit, man. I think. What's up with you, brother? Man, I'm just out here in the world. Trying to be really out here in the world, get out, be social. You know what I'm saying? What you mean? You sound like you like you were. You sound a little withdrawn. I was on? a little. I was. I was on some recluse shit. If I wasn't performing, I was in the crib. You know, so much shit to keep you in the house. You know what I mean? Between Netflix, Postmates, fucking UPS. You know, everything delivers. Everything. Right. Sometimes, if you if you don't need to go out, you don't go out. But that's when you really need to go out. You got to get back amongst the people. You got to get back into the, the society of people. You know what I mean? You stay, you stay by yourself on the, on the couch, you know, withdrawn long enough. You become a weirdo. You lose how to connect with folks and shit. So I was like, let me get back out here. 
You know what I mean? It's always weird. We just we just trying to figure something. I'm just trying to program my day. You know what I'm saying? Because I got a lot a little bit of a little bit of uh, free time, so I've been using it to write. You know, jamming it a little bit like that, whatever, whatever. You know, I've been hitting the museum and shit. But after that, I don't. You know, I'm trying to figure new shit out because I still feel like I'm loitering. You know what I mean? When I'm walking around the city with no destination. Like, you know, especially as it's getting hotter, because I'm going to definitely stop off in a store to just to browse and and take some of that air conditioning. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to program it. They just be out and about, be more social. Do you work better? Do you write better in the house or at a coffee shop? Uh, I don't go to coffee shops. I go to like I go to like libraries, you know what I mean? Little places like that or like in the cut spots. Coffee shop feel cliche. You know what I mean? Feel like you go in there too, right? You know everybody out there with their laptops and look too too set up for that type of shit. Uh, I don't know. I write. I write the best. I don't know. I just sit. If I sit down and I'm like and I'm committed to it, it could be at home or it could be in a like at a library. I don't know. I don't have no real destination that brings out the most of it. You know what I'm saying? I kind of record as I go. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll hit my notes app. I write in a pad. You know what I mean? Like all of that type of shit. Right. What about you? Let me get out of here. I'm I'm good for a coffee shop, but it can be. It's just so funny you say that. It feels you said it feels cliche. Yeah. I can't go to cliche coffee shops. I can't go to Starbucks. I can't go to co- you know. Uh, right. I can't go to Pete's. I gotta go to my Park coffee shop. Something that feels right. You know, authentic. Yeah. I feel like some real you know? motherfucking writing is going on in there. And I don't yeah, want exactly. you fronting. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, man, uh, it's about that time to transform and roll out, I'd say. All right, brother. So why don't you tell the people where you're going to be? Speak to them. So your boy Vlad will be in Los Angeles this week. I'm here for the next, uh, I'm here. So I'm doing some local shows, just working and writing, and mm-hmm. um, what I got going on? Uh, I'll be in Rooster Teeth for this at the end of the month, but that's about it, man. Mm. All right. That's what's up. That's what's up. How about yourself, brother? Man, I'm local. I'm in the city. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be at uh, Bobby V's in Connecticut on July 22nd. So get tickets for that. I'll be at old Bobby V's in uh, in Connecticut. Let's sell that bitch out. I'm going to put the information up probably tomorrow. But uh, And I got some more dates coming up too that I'll, I'll keep y'all abreast on. But until then, as always, tell a friend to tell a friend. Vlad. Sorry, I I, I just I leave got me programmed. I'm so sorry, man. I keep forgetting. Do it, do tell it, do it. a friend to tell a friend. Or even an enemy. To get in the conversation. We out. Later. The main thing of it all is to be in the conversation. Conversation. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at standuplabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. We out. <laughs>